A young man asks his father, he says, Dad, what is the secret to a lifelong happy marriage? The father replies, well, son, I cannot speak for other people, but I'm going to tell you my secret. He said, after your mother and I were married, I took her to the Grand Canyon for our honeymoon. We rented a couple of mules to go down the canyon, and as we're on these mules and we're about a quarter mile in, your mother's mule stepped in a hole on the trail, and that mule almost threw her off. Well, she was a little irritated by that, so she leaned over and she whispered into its ear, that's one. Another half mile down the trail, the mule stepped on a rock and again almost throws your mother off of its back. So now she leans over to the mule's ear and she whispered, that's two. Well, another half mile in, the the mule tripped over a branch in the trail and this time it threw your mother to the ground. She got up. She picked up that branch, and she beat that poor mule to death. In horror, I was looking at her, and I said, Sweetheart, what do you think you're doing? What did you do that for? She just looked at me and quietly said, That's one. And that was our last argument. I've been happy ever since. (laughs) Amen. Well, there it is, guys. If your wife has started to count, you might be a little concerned. (laughs) If you have your Bible or Bible app, go ahead and turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse number 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1. Today's message is going to be a bit of a unique message. We just ended a a series that we called Transgression. And next weekend, we have, big weekend, we have Teen Challenge from Milwaukee coming to join us next weekend. That's one of my favorite weekends of the year. You're going to hear stories of life change and how God has radically healed and transformed um, the, the men in this, in this uh, organization. And so I encourage you to be here for that. Then, October 17th, um, actually, let me back up, October 10th, the week after, so that's the first week. October 10th, I'm going to be preaching a one-off message, a standalone message on the mark of the beast. I've received a lot of questions on this as of late, especially since the vaccine mandate has come into play. And so I'm going to be addressing this. I'm going to do a whole message on this because there's been so many questions. And so I figured it's probably a time that I would pause and I would address this because obviously it's, it's important to you. Then on October 17th, we're going to be starting a series that I'm calling Movement 2040. Can you believe it has been three years since we laid out Vision 2040, and a lot has happened in three years. We've witnessed many miracles over the last three years despite a pandemic because the truth is nothing can stop a move of God. Nothing can stop a move of God. So we're going to be re, we're going to take some time this fall. We're going to be revisiting the vision. We're going to be getting, we're going to be giving you updates on that. It's important with vision to consistently keep it before the people. And we have so many new people in church now since the last time we went through this. Many of you don't even know what Vision 2040 is. And so I want to make sure that most of you probably don't know what this is. And so I want to make sure that, that you are aware of that. That's coming up mid-October. It'll probably run us through Christmas. So with that being said, today's message is a bit of an in-between message. It's not a part of a series. It's it's a one-off message. And I'm going to share a truth with you today that God has actually been working with me on. He's been showing me this with a series of events over the past couple of years. 
This is a truth that is, that is I've, I've never, I don't think I've spoken on this before, but it's, it's a truth that has really helped change my perspective on life and on my relationships, and it's something that I wish I understood better when I was younger. I still have a long ways to go on this. I still make mistakes on this, but I am making progress as God continually brings this truth to my mind. So today I'm going to be sharing with you something that God has been working with me on because I really believe that this is going to be applicable to you and it's going to bless you as well. It doesn't matter how old you are, if you are 18 or you are 80, this is a truth that is applicable to all of us. So here we go, Ecclesiastes Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And verse 1, it says, For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. There's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to turn away. A time to search and a time to quit searching, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear, a time to mend, a time to be quiet, a time to speak. Boy, that would would preach a whole message right there. A time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, a time for peace. I'm calling this message today the parable of last. Father, for the next few moments, I just ask that you would give me the mind of Christ I ask that you would anoint me, God, so that what I say, God, would be received and understood clearly by the people that are listening. God, I don't ask to speak eloquently today. I ask to speak clearly so that it is easily understood. And Father, that your word would penetrate our hearts and it would change and transform us. And so, God, I just want to thank you for your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. My grandmother was a diabetic for pretty much all of her life. And I remember as a young boy being at their home, and she would, I remember her, she would begin to sweat and profusely, and she would begin to act goofy, which was a bit out of character for her, and it was because her blood sugar, sugars would become all out of whack. If you know someone that is diabetic or you're experiencing that yourself, you know what I'm talking about. Well, when this would happen, my grandfather, I would watch my grandfather run over to her and give her some sort of a shot that would usually kick her out of this within a few moments. He would then look at me and he would smile and he would joke about how much money my grandmother was costing him because the shots were not cheap. They were to only be used in emergencies and usually he would have a couple of them on hand. I I now know that he was just trying to make light of the situation so I would not become panicked or become worried, but I know that these episodes worried him greatly. Uh, he, they, were, they were married, my grandmother and grandfather were married for more than 50 years, and my grandparents were a true example of what it meant to fight for your marriage and not give up when the things got tough. They were a great godly couple, and they were the only good example I had growing up. My grandmother had a gift of discernment, and many times God would allow her to see into the spirit realm. So she would see demons and angels, and she would see these things very frequently, And so when she would speak into your life, she would be right on every time. It's like she would just read your mail. And some days I was nervous to be around her (laughs) because she was one of those people that spoke that, that said, God has said this to me that I believed her without a shadow of a doubt because she was so accurate. 
Due to my grandfather's work schedule, he wasn't always able to be at home when these episodes would happen to my grandmother. And I remember her telling me the story of one day that my grandfather was at work. She was at home watching the kids. My mother was just a little girl at this time, so she's home watching my, my mother and, and, uh, and, the, and the siblings. And her blood sugars got out of whack, and she went into one of these diabetic spells. If, if these spells would go on too long, she would pass out, and she said she was sitting at her desk paying the bills, and one of these, one of these episodes happened, and the next thing you know, she, she doesn't remember, she passed down on her desk. But she did say, the next thing I do remember is I felt a large hand wrapped around my left shoulder, and it started to shake me fiercely, and then she goes, I would, I would snap out of it. She goes, I remember waking up, and I remember that hand, and, and she goes, but then shortly after that, she goes, I would just go down again, and I would, I would pass out, and she goes, the next thing I know, I would be awakened by this shaking of this hand on my left shoulder. This went on for several hours until my grandfather got home to help, and then when she finally snapped out of it, she looks at my grandfather, and she says, who else is in this house? She said, who was shaking me? And he said, it's just you and the kids here. No one else is here. And my grandmother would always tell me that story and say, it was the hand of God that kept me alive. Well, several years ago, I got a call from my grandfather to tell me that my grandmother was having one of these, one of these episodes, one of these diabetic spells. But he said, this time it's different. He said, this time we've had to rush her to the hospital because even with the shot, she's not snapping out of it. She was in the hospital for a few days, and after a few short days, she passed from this earth into the arms of Jesus. And as you can imagine, this completely wrecked my grandfather. I remember oftentimes I would speak to him and I couldn't even understand him because he would just weep so profusely. His lifelong mate was gone and he felt completely lost. And I remember him telling me, Matthew, when we laid our heads, when we laid our heads on the pillows the night before and I turned to give her a kiss, I had no idea that would be the last when my kids were growing up, my, mom, my wife was a stay-at-home mother. She loved taking them to school. She loved picking them up. She loved taking them to the doctor's appointments and things like that. I hated doing stuff like that, so I was so blessed that she loved it. But she absolutely, absolutely loved it. Well, when we moved to Green Bay, she could no longer do that due to her work schedule. I had to, I had to run the Rugrats everywhere. But she loved doing that. I, it gave her fulfillment. She looked forward to it. Then COVID hit, and now they're, they're driving, they're taking care of themselves. And I remember one day she said, I never realized the last day I drove them to school that it would be the last time I ever got to do that. The parable of last. The book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament that we just read from, it's an interesting book. It was written by King Solomon towards the end of his life. And as King Solomon is looking back on his life and he's reflecting on his life, he realizes that he has been gifted with many experiences. He's a very wealthy man. He's a wise man. He has almost everything that you could ever want or ask for in this life. But he comes to the realization as he's approaching the end that it was all for nothing. His life pursuit of worldly things was meaningless. And he finds himself weary. And so he's looking back on life with a lot of regrets. 
Let me ask, have you ever, do you have any regrets in life? I do. One regret I have came at the death of my mother. For years I regretted that I did not call her more. I regretted that I judged her lifestyle and I put her down rather than loving her and being thankful for our times together. I regretted the pain that I put her through as a very young man. I remember at the age of 16, I was going to end my life and I grabbed my stepdad's shotgun out of the closet and she caught me. I carried around the shotgun shell in my coat pocket for weeks planning it out. And I still remember the horror in her face and in her eyes and I watched her cry for days because of my selfishness. I regret it. But what I wouldn't give now to hear her laugh one more time. She had a wonderful laugh and I had, a, I had no clue the last time I heard her laugh that it would be the last. As Solomon is looking back on his life, he's talking about seasons He says that there is a season for everything. He says there is a season of birth and there is a season of death. There is a season of pain and there is a season of happiness. There is a season of tears, a season of laughter and so on. God called me into ministry a few years out of high school. I remember that season of new beginnings very well. I remember the first time I preached to ten little kids how nervous I was. It was even worse preaching to the adults. The first time I preached to adults as a group of about 20, and I was so nervous, I prayed for the entire Sunday from after service to Sunday night service. And I remember those days very well. But today I stand up here and I think forward and I say, I remember the first, but I wonder when it will be my last. I wonder when I will preach my last sermon. I wonder how many I have left. I'm in a great season of life right now, but I also know that to every beginning, there is an end. I wonder, will God bless me with a thousand more sermons? Will he bless me with a hundred? Perhaps I only have a few. Only God knows that number, but this I do know, there will be a day I preach my last sermon. I remember all the buses I've sanded and painted over the years. I remember all of the bus routes I built And I started, I remember crawling under one bus in the middle of winter on a snowy Sunday morning to remove the fuel filter because I thought the bus had gelled over and I needed to check it. I remember it being so cold that my hand slipped off the filter. I I smacked my my knuckles on the frame and the blood just started to pour down my arm. It was so cold. I remember the kids that misbehaved so much I wanted to throw them in the river. Not here in Green Bay, they're all angels. (laughs) But I also remember the kids crying at the altar as they were being touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. I remember all of that, and today I still drive a bus, but I do sit back and I wonder, how many bus routes do I have left? How many times am I going to get behind the wheel of the bus and be able to pick up kids and youth and bring them into the house of God? I hope I have many. I hope my body stays strong for years, but the truth is I just don't know for sure. All I know is there will be a day that I climb behind that steering wheel of the bus for the very last time. I remember when I first met my wife, I remember how I felt. 
I remember when I married my wife, she, she was and still is the most beautiful bride I've ever seen. I remember when my kids were born. I remember when they stuck that big needle in her back and I just about fainted. True story. I wasn't a very good delivery room dad, she'll tell you that. I think I was passed out more than she was. We went to those Lamaze classes or whatever they're called so I could teach her how to breathe and she's working with me through it. She's coaching me through it. But it was the beginning of a new season. But like every season starts, every season ends. And sometimes I lay down next to my wife in bed and I think, I wonder how many of these I have left. Because just like with my grandfather, I know there's a day coming when I will lay down and I will kiss her goodnight for the last time. As much as I hate it, I realize this day is going to come. And when it does, I can guarantee you, just like we see with Solomon, that the things of this world will not matter. My grandfather would have told you he would have given everything he owned, everything he worked his entire life for, just to hold the hand of my precious grandmother one more time. You see, I see when you sit back and you think about the seasons of life and this concept, it really begins to put life into perspective. You see, for me, it's the knowledge that one day I'm no longer going to be able to preach a sermon that makes me appreciate this moment right now. I don't take it for granted. It's hard work preparing these things. It takes me 30 to 40 hours to prepare a sermon and all the graphics from start to finish every week. That's just the reality. It's like writing a term paper every single week. Typically, my weeks are between 60 and 70 hours long just because I got to get everything else done on top of it. So I know that, but there's going to be a day when I say I would give anything to prepare just one more sermon. It's the knowledge of my last bus route that makes me appreciate every day I can climb onto that bus. It's the knowledge of the last time I lay next to my wife that keeps me from going to bed angry at her. Because I don't know how many of those days I have left, and why do I want to waste one being angry with her? You can apply this to anything in life. To give you an illustration, I brought up this container, this clear container filled with ping pong balls. Now, I want you to imagine for a moment this container represents your life, and the ping pong balls represent something that's very important to you. Maybe it's your marriage could be your ability to work with your hands. Whatever's important to you could be applied to anything. But we're, we're going to take, say for a moment, that this, just, this represents your marriage. Let's just say one ping pong ball represents one day you have left with your spouse. No one, none of us is guaranteed tomorrow. I don't care how young or, or old you are. We're not guaranteed. Every season starts and every season ends. But again, this could be anything. Just kind of interpolate for whatever, whatever works for you. But let's just say this is all you have left. If you knew that this was all the time you had left with your spouse, would that change the way you treat them? Are you going to go to bed angry at them and sleep in separate rooms for days on end because you have to have it your way and you're angry? Let's just say you're in an argument and you ignore each other for seven days I've heard that happening. You ignore each other for seven days and you go sleep in different rooms for seven days. There's three, four, five, 
six, seven. There's seven balls you'll never get back. You're seven closer to last. You'll never get them back, but I do guarantee you this. The day you have no balls left in the container, you're going to wish you had those back, and then you're going to carry regret. Some of you have people in your life, you have family members that you've had a falling out with and you haven't spoken to them in years and you've convinced yourself that there's time, there's always tomorrow, but every day that passes is another ball that's lost out of the container. It's one more closer to last. You'll never get it back. And then one day that that bucket's going to be empty and you're going to carry regrets and you're going to remember the last words that you spoke to each other. And you're going to say, if only. I don't want to end up like Solomon. I don't want to live a life of regret. I don't want to waste the precious time I have left. I don't want to waste the season. I don't want to take things for granted. And many times I do. And that's why God is working with me on this. I'm speaking this to you today to let you know this is what God is working with me on. I don't want to take my family for granted. I don't want to take you for granted. I don't want to take this church for granted. Every week when you show up to this place, I am thankful because it's one more day God has gifted me to serve you. And I don't know how many of those I've got left. I don't know when this season will end, and so I need to slow down and cherish this moment. I need to slow down and enjoy the journey a little bit more because when this season is gone, I'm going to wish I had it back. You see, truly understanding this concept of the seasons of life, the concept that with every first there is a last, it will cause you to stop and pause and appreciate the blessing that is today. The blessing that other people are in your life. And when you appreciate the blessing of today, when the season you are currently in comes to an end, and it will, there will be some emotions to work through, but you won't live with regret because you made the most of it. You won't live with the regret of Solomon. Now let's look at this in a bit of a different light because not everyone in here is in a good season right now. Some of you in here, you've lost marriages. Some of you have lost homes. Some of you have lost jobs. Some of you are in a season where you have received a report of cancer or other terminal illness from the doctor. You are right now in a season of pain, and you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. And for the fact of the matter, you feel like heaven is silent, and God does not hear. If that's you this morning, I want you to remember two things. Number one. Every season has a beginning and an end. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9 says, So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, you will reap a harvest of blessing if you do not give up. Do not quit. Do not give up in the middle of the season. There is a light at the end of the tunnel when you understand that there will be an end to the current season that you are in. If it's a season of pain and the new season will begin. But number two, and most importantly, you are never alone. Psalm chapter 34 and verse 18. The enemy will try to tell you you're alone, but you're never alone. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. 
He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Deuteronomy 31.6, so be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them for the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. It's easy for us to wonder where God is during the season of pain as it usually feels when we're walking through that that He has abandoned us. But that's not what God says in His Word. Where is God? He's right beside you. It's a promise that we can hold on to. You are never alone. He is near. He will never fail you. He will never abandon you. I'm reminded of the story of three young men by the name of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the book of Daniel chapter 3. Three Jewish boys who refused to bow down and worship the image of gold. They refused to bow down to anyone or anything except for God. The king told them that you're going to bow or you're going to die. They chose to honor God and so they're sentenced to death by the king. Here's what it says in Daniel chapter 3 and verse 13. Says the Nebuchadnezzar in a furious rage commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I've set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, all the musical instruments, to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? The three men answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so... Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods and worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury and the expression on his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than, original, than, than it was usually heated. Verse 20, and he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. So they were bound in their clothing, and they were thrown into this furnace. Because the king's order was so urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire was so hot that it killed those men that took Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. It was so hot that it killed the men throwing them in. And these three men fell bound into the burning fiery furnace. Verse 24, the Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and he rose up and he rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they're not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. The Nebuchadnezzar came near the door of the burning fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Boy, his demeanor changed quickly. 
Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire, and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of the men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and the smell of fire had not even come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I would guess so, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I'm going to make a decree, any people, any nation, any language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and again, Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, their houses laid in ruins, for there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way than the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Notice something. These three young men were faithful to God. They were thrown into the fire because of their faithfulness to God. This wasn't a season that they wanted to be in. I want you to see something. God could have easily put out that fire. Easily. All he had to do was speak the word and the fire would have gone out. It wouldn't even have started. But he didn't. And he even allowed it to be heated seven times hotter. God did not put out the fire. He did not step into the middle and end that season. Instead, he sends Jesus into the fire with them. And when they came out of the fire, when that season finally ended, they came out of that season unhinged and even without a hint of smoke. You see, I want you to know this morning that when you are in that season of pain, it's not about God ending the pain. It's not about God putting out the fire. It's about who's walking through the fire with you. It doesn't matter what season you find yourself in, whether you are in a season of loss or a season of plenty. God is with you because God is faithful. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He has promised to walk through every season right beside you, but so many times we don't see him walking with us in the season of pain. It's easy to see him in the season of blessing, the season when everything in life is going well. It's God has blessed me. How many times do we say that, but we don't necessarily like to say that when we're going through a season of pain And I want you to know that whether you're in a season of pain or plenty right now, the same God that has promised to walk with you through the season of plenty is walking with you through the season of pain. And to every season, there is a beginning and there is an end. My last thoughts, if you get nothing else out of this message, I want you to get this. We're going to post it up on the screen. So I want you to stay strong in the tough seasons and don't quit. There's going to be tough seasons. You stay strong. And you believe, you you just understand and know that God's walking with you. And then you be grateful in the good seasons. And don't take them for granted. Because just as there is a beginning to every season, there's also an end. Good or bad, there's a beginning and there is an end. And God has used this truth to help me prioritize and quit being so rushed on things. I've got a long ways to go. 
but I'm starting to grasp a hold of this because I understand all the blessings that I have one day that season will end and the things I experience and the things I go through and the moments of pain I also understand that there will be an end to that as well the key is not to give up some people end their life in the season of pain they can't take it I want you to know that God is with you if you're to that point I want want you to be encouraged when you leave here today God wanted you to hear this right now He is with you He has never left you and he never will. Sometimes it's difficult to see him in the season of pain because we like to equate God with blessing. We like to equate him with blessing. If God's not blessing me, then I must have done something wrong. I must have... But we go through this stuff. So just remember, whether you're in the season of plenty right now or you're in the season of pain, God is with you. Can I have you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father, I want to thank you for this message today. God, it is my prayer that as we leave this place, that this message isn't something that we will just hear today and say, boy, that was just a good message, but this is a message that will will transform our lives. And for the, the, the married couples in here, God, that are, that are at each other's throats and they're, they're living this life of turmoil and stress, just to remember this principle is like, man, is what we're fighting about even that important anyway? Those that are estranged from family members or estranged from family members, God, I pray for them today. God, those that are, those that are walking the, with, in these seasons of pain, with, with they have, they've, they, maybe they've already lost their marriage or their job or their, their career. Or they've lost the ability to work with their hands. They've always done that all their life or whatever it might be. God, I just pray, Father, that they would see you walking beside them in this moment. God, we thank you for the realizations of seasons. It's a hard truth to know that our good seasons will end. But it is a truth that if we know it, we can take what we currently have and we can cherish it and not take it for granted. So I just want to thank you today in Jesus' name. And I want you to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed.